Once again, it's great to be with you today. For those of you who don't know me, who missed me earlier, my name is Wayne, I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community. And today we're ending our November series called Being Rich, which is a crazy word to put up in a church setting. But the tagline is so important in what matters most. And for those who are part of our DCC family, we've been challenging you to think about how you engage with your money and your finances and your giving over the course of a year in a time when we typically begin to give to other organizations or things. You know, giving Tuesday, I think, is coming up very soon. And there are ways that we love to give to others, but what if we made that a habit in our life? But it's not just actually about your money or your finances. It's about a way of life and how you live, how you give to another person with your time or the talents and the gifts that you have. It's not just about that. And so we're learning that it's actually different. Being rich, and when we look at scriptures and we look at Christ's life and what he engages with is way different than we typically think, especially in our Western world. And so we're just trying to turn that term on its Head. And typically, when churches engage money, it's just about what you give to them. And I hope that you do give. <laughs> We're completely supported by you, our church family. Uh, but my goal is not for that. It's as much as about your heart. And so when you look at Jesus' words to us, it was about our hearts. And so today, in this third and final part of this, I want to engage that part of things that it's not about the amount of money, it's about your heart. And that's why it affects everything from serving others and loving others in your community. And so it, the more that we understand that, it actually sets us free. And we can relax in that. And so we're learning to be rich in what matters most. And so we're challenging you to take three steps. And you decide what to do. And this is for those of us who call DCC their church family. But if you practice this, if you, whether you believe in God or not, if you practice these things, it will actually, you'll enjoy your life better. But we're challenging you to give, to serve, and to love. So making a commitment to give. Last week, New City Kids was with us. And part of our commitment this fall is we want to give to New City Kids, which is an amazing after-school program here in Jersey City. And they've now expanded to Patterson and Detroit which is unbelievable, and they are having seen generational change. And we know because of what we've seen them do and what they've learned that unless somebody engages in these low-income neighborhoods, unless someone steps into their lives, they cannot get out of it on their own. Because just like anywhere else in the country, you experience trauma. But in an urban environment, trauma compounds because of all the complex issues. And unless someone steps in, change can happen. And that's exactly what New City Kids does. And they're hiring teenagers to teach the elementary and middle school after school programs. And then they, they pour into those teenagers and they're seeing change happen. And they've been doing it for over 25 years now. And so we love engaging New City Kids and giving to them. And so our, our goal this year is to give $5,000 to New City Kids. And that is all you. And we want to encourage you to decide to make a commitment. Now, the past couple of years, we've had many give, but but it's been a small percentage of our entire congregation. I'm going to encourage all of you to think about giving to them. But it's not just that. You want to give to your local church. You want to learn to make that a habit in your life to begin to give outwardly. And if that's hard for you, then it's a good way to examine your own heart. But it's not just about that. We also want to challenge you to serve, to find a way to engage. And there's many ways to serve within our church family. You can join us in two weeks we're going to be at the sharing place. We're going to be uh, painting their garage. 
that they use to do their food distribution. We serve once a month at the Sharing Place Food Pantry. It's the oldest food pantry in New Jersey. And we want, it's a great way to engage and love the city and, and, and impact someone. And so they need their garage painted. And so we love to step into those types of things. We're going to be doing it over two months in December and January. So join us December 7th. You can serve with us. You can sign up online. Uh, you don't have to be part of our church. You just, it's a fun way to engage with one another and impact the city. But you can serve on a Sunday team here. We have many teams, our kids and our production and greeters and hospitality. So whether you're introverted or extroverted, there's a place for you. Our dinner groups are serving. There's different ways for you to serve. But we also want to encourage you to love your neighbor, to love those that you live your life with. I want to encourage you to throw parties, to get to know the people that you live around, whether they believe in God or not. This is how Jesus lived, and we want to do the same. Learning to find ways to make an impact. You can clean up the sand pit in your local park at the kids' playground or help them with the garden. or like There's all these ways. There's all these different community organizations. But then there's neighbors that you live with, and everybody's running to their doors, right? We're hiding from one another. What if we stayed along or, or threw a party? As a pastor, I'm encouraging you to throw parties. Uh, if you look at Jesus' life, he attended many parties, and the religious people were confused by him. So we want to do the same. So give, serve, and love. How will you make an impact? Now, as we go into this last conversation, I want to engage your hearts. And engage a topic that we typically don't talk about, but let's, let's talk about it in a different way. So I'm going to start off with this. Uh, you've done something that is pretty incredible. And here it is. You did it. Every one of you here today are rich. You're rich. You did it. Don't believe me? Compared to the rest of the world, you're rich. If you net... Post taxes, $50,000. There's two adults in your household and you have two kids. You are in the top 10% of the world. Isn't that interesting? After taxes, if you have $50,000 to live on and you have two adults and two kids in your household, you are in the top 10%. If you're single and after taxes, you net $50,000, you are in the top 1.5% of the world. If you're single and you net $100,000, you're in the top 0.2%. And I think it's like top 3% if you're a family of four, $100,000 net. At just $50,000. I wanted to choose a number that's way under what is typical in our neighborhood, in our city. But it's really interesting. Compared to the rest of the world, you're rich. Now, some of you are like, man, that's not this city. Like, the cost of living. Have you seen the rent? Are you crazy? No, I get it. Like, I apply for apartments. I see it. Like, I've lived it. I've been here for uh, over 15 years. And so I've watched it rise. And it feels like no matter how much my income raises, I don't have enough. We see others around us. We live our lives. And so I just want you to know, in comparison to the world, we are so blessed with what we have. 
And so this is good news and bad news. So you did it. You're there. <laughs> your percentage compared to the world, maybe not your neighbor, but to the world is incredibly high. So it's good news. The good news is you're rich. You've got some spending money. You probably have a great smartphone. And you probably upgraded that two or three, four or five times, I don't know, in the last year. I mean, so like you think that we're tied with money, but you look at the things that we have. And so there's some great things that come with that. You know, the city and the, the food that we have and the, all that stuff that, that's going on. So that's the good news. And God actually delights in this. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, this is a gift of God. It's interesting, right? We have more than we need. Extra spending money. We are rich. That's the good news. The bad news is you're rich. <laughs> That's the bad news. We've learned a lot in this series that money is tied to our hearts. So the more money that you have, the harder that it is. The harder that it is because we feel way more self-sufficient. It just There's a natural pride built in. You work hard for your money, so it's, it's great to be able to see the rewards of that. And so also in the scriptures, it says this. In Luke, it says, how hard it is for the rich. That's you, whether you feel it or not, to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And so this is interesting. And, and, as, and so the question is, well, how does God engage this? And the church hasn't been a good example of engaging this topic. But God gives us some perplexing answers. If you look at this straight up, it's, it's not like a straightforward thing. And how do you engage this? Uh, so what's, what's generally viewed in culture is this. And I'll engage this problem together. Is, is to be okay, you just need money. If I just can make a certain amount, then I'll be okay. And so conversely, that means if you are poor, then you are not okay. I mean, in a very, very, very general sense, that's kind of how we engage this. And so in religious terms, you know, we typically would say, you know, well, if, if you don't have money, then it's bad, and you, you must be poor. Uh, but that's not true. Here's the problem. God doesn't take in either of these views. Oh, no, sorry. I just read that completely wrong. Typically in religion, we say money is bad, and, and so you need to be poor. And so that's how a lot of those in religious in different realms engage that. Say, you know, well, to have money, it's bad because it's, you know, the root, you know, we have all these things, the root of, the root of evil, money is evil, blah, 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 blah. So, but God does not take either of those sides. In God's infinite wisdom, sometimes it's perplexing to us. But in his wisdom, which is greater than ours, he has appointed some of his children to live poor and others to live rich. Isn't that interesting? And that might, you might be like, really? I mean, like, how is this? It's confusing to us. But not to God, because he does not look at you and I how we look at one another. We look at one another in comparison and to what we have. Well, you look at ourselves in that way. God does not see us that way. He 
only sees your heart. Now, he understands how money interacts, but he sees your heart and who you are. He cares about you. So what does Jesus think then about all these things, about celebrity or those who have money or you know, fame, all that, like, or both? They're like, how does he see this? Do, do, do those who are celebrities or have fame or a lot of money, do they have a seat at his table? Are they in his circle of friends? What about those that might be part of our church right now that are living paycheck to paycheck, feel like they're about to be bankrupt? Are they more virtuous because <laughs> they have less? Well, how do we answer that question? Well, let's look at how God interacted with others. So let's start with a guy. We called him. We coined him the rich young ruler. This is found in Matthew 19. And this is what it says. It says here, and this is so funny when Scripture does this. It says, and behold, and behold, a man came to him saying, teacher, what good deeds must I do to, to have eternal life? And so he's like, hey, what does it mean for me to be good, to be okay? And, and Jesus says, well, he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. And it's fascinating. He's talking about himself. He's truly perfect. So Jesus says, if you would enter, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. And so this guy is like, all right, I got it. He's like, he said to him, he says, which ones? Jesus says, well, he just starts giving out the list of the Ten Commandments. He's like, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And so it goes through them, and the young man says, all of these I've kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you will be perfect, go sell you what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He had a lot. So we read this, and we're like, well, is that how God interacts with all of us? Like, we've all got to give everything away? There's some tension there. But hold on. Let me go to another scripture passage. In John 12, 1 through 8, it says, A woman named Mary... Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, another Mary. There's like a million Marys, okay? So this is one of them. Uh, she took a pound of expensive perfume and anointed the feet of Jesus. It was worth a year's wages. Poured it out over his feet to anoint him. Can you imagine like a year's worth of your wages? Dumping it on the, on the spot. So she had money, by the way. <laughs> It's interesting. And so Judas, one of the disciples, protested, why won't this is instead sold and used for the poor, which we now know in hindsight that Judas actually didn't care about that. He just wanted that money to sell it for, to have them in their treasury, which he took from. But he was like, oh, we should give it to the poor. But Jesus received the gift while lounging at the table. He received it. He allowed her to pour out in an incredibly lavish way. Isn't that interesting? What about Job? If you look through the scripture, we've, we have the book of Job, and even if you've not been part of church or not very religious, we've, you, a lot of times you've heard about Job. There are plays and other things that are made about his life where he was incredibly rich, and then, he, and then God allowed him to go through unreal hardship. He was the most godlike man on the earth, 
and was also the wealthiest man on earth at the time. And he was a follower of God, and God eventually blessed him in incredible abundance. Abraham, maybe you've heard of Abraham in the Old Testament scriptures. Abraham prospered. He had a lot. Solomon, considered to be one of the wisest men ever lived, he asked God for wisdom, and God gave it to him, and it allowed him to build an unbelievable kingdom, an unbelievable wealth. When Jesus was buried after his crucifixion, there were two rich, wealthy men. They secured his burial site. And all these people, the scriptures never condemned them for being rich. Many times it's because they follow God that they were. Yet, this is also true. So let me go back the other way. In 1 Timothy 6, 8-10, it says, Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Jesus said in Mark 10, 21, No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. Okay, so Jesus tells the rich young ruler who was enamored with his wealth, who had a lot of things, that he wouldn't be able to enter life unless he sold everything and gave it to the poor. So why would Jesus tell him to sell everything, but not demand the same of Abraham or, or Job, or there's others that we've been reading about? Why is that? Because it was about their hearts. For the rich young ruler, he didn't really have money. He thought he did. Money had him. Money had him. He was a slave to it. And Jesus knew that. And he knew that he couldn't give it up to follow him. He actually couldn't follow Christ because of the other. And he was identifying the very thing in his life that was going to lead him to death and lead him to destruction. So the scripture never says, never says that having wealth is wrong. It's craving and serving wealth that becomes the problem. It never says, we just read it, we just read it, it never says that money is the root of all kinds of evil. We just, I just read that scripture. Did you catch that? It never says money's the root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money. The love of money. 1 Timothy 6, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires. They plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, not money itself. So God in his wisdom is leading you and me where you are in his plan. He is engaging you. And so there's a couple things here that we can see from this, and it's important for us to know. The first one is this, and I've said this already in the series, but with God, money has nothing to do with the amount. It has nothing to do with the amount. And this is the one thing that if we can grasp this, and listen, you don't ever have to give a dime to us here as a church. This is not what this is really about. I want to lead your heart. And some of you here today, especially in a Halloween weekend, typically or not, 
even part of our church. And that's, that's great. But if we, can, if we can grasp this, because you and I, it's so hard for us because money is tied to our hearts. Jesus understood this, and we'll get to that in here in just a second. But it's hard for you and I to think about it in any other way like other than the amount because you're stressed about the amount. Many times the higher up your job is, the more money you make, the more you have to lose. There's only so many jobs that you can get if that job goes away. And so there's a lot of stress that comes with that. And the cost of living and inflation, and is like, you know, inflation was already hitting here before anybody else really had that hit them. And so it's like a double whammy in this neighborhood. And so, yeah, it's not easy. You and I have to think about the amount. But if we can let go of that and understand that it's about our heart, it can be life changing. You can view your money and God differently. Just think about this. If you were God and you made the world, would you ever be worried about these things? Resources or the wisdom? Like as, as Christ followers, we believe in God. Like we believe he made this world and so he knows where everything is, the resources and how to use it, and we keep discovering new things. And he tells us that we don't have to worry. And if following God was about being rich, then why aren't all Christians rich? What about those Christians like in the South Bronx and there's churches that are thriving there and they're not necessarily wealthy or Northern Harlem? There's a lot of incredible things happening there. What about the, the, those who are Christians in Haiti? My family and I, one of the joys of being able to have money and a plan to give is we give to Compassion International and we sponsor a child in Haiti. And it's incredibly hard there and we're, we're constantly devastated to see the hardship and we pray for them. But that doesn't always change. And there are people that are serving God there. The early church, as we read through this, there were slaves and masters in a church congregation serving one another. And Jesus' disciples, some were common men and women, and those who followed him, reflecting the culture, they were wealthy and poor, educated, not educated, fishermen and others that were higher up. It was interesting. So it's not about amount. Listen to Jesus' words about a woman who gave. This is, it says here, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place, they're in a synagogue, and, and is where the offerings were being put, and, and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And they'll make a big deal about it. We don't like to do that here, by the way. We like hide our giving boxes. We just we don't pass anything here. We try to just take all these away. But this is how it was done in the culture of the time. And so many it says here, many rich people threw in large amounts, and they would make it known. It says, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. He's like, she gave more. 
And so it's about our hearts. So when God engages you, he's wanting to set you free. He's always leading you and I to what brings us to life. That's why it says in Luke 18 how hard it is for those who are rich to enter the kingdom of God. Because we have a lot, it's harder for us. So, it's not about the amount, it's about the heart. And so as we recap this kind of, this idea, Jesus loves all of you, poor and rich. He's engaging every single one of us in that way. And those who have, who have a lot of money have a lot of problems, just like those who are poor have a lot of significant issues. But we have an opportunity to be able to use that to impact the world in a very different way. And that means that all of us here are stressed today. <laughs> that if you have a lot of money, you're probably anxious. And so I just want to lead you and I to say, how can we point ourselves towards God and allow him to engage us with our money? And so if it's not about the amount, then the second thing is that our money is a tool. It is a tool for how you live your life. How you live your life. There's nothing wrong with having money. So with all that said, it is not wrong to have money. It's a gift from God. You remember that opening scripture that I read? That is a gift from God. How incredible is that? And so it's about being able to use it in a very purposeful way. Do you have a plan for your money? You would be surprised. You would think those who have a lot of money have a great plans and they have a good budget and they're doing all these different things. What I've found as a pastor over many years now is that we don't. <laughs> like I know financial advisors in our church family over the years who have terrible management of their own money. That's kind of scary, but it's true. Because it's personal. Our emotions are always tied to it. And so it's important to remember and to know that it is a tool, that you have been given it as a gift. And so then it's, it's how we use it. And so that's why Jesus came to us and said things like, you can't serve God and money because your heart is tied to it. And that's why he says to us, the love of money is evil. It will lead you away. You can be poor and have a love of money just as much as being rich. So the question for all of us here today is do you have money or does money have you? Or does money have you? What are you a slave to? And so when God gives us instructions for what we do with our money, when you and I decide, when you decide what to do with your money, we want to go to him. If you're a Christ follower, you want to seek him out and trust him in this. It is not for me to tell you what to do. It is for you to decide. But it's about your heart. This is a way of life. And Jesus knew that what you do with your money 
shows and reveals who you are. And it leads you to joy. But it leads us to also be anxious if we allow it to control us. And so it starts with obedience. You know, we sang earlier, I take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe it. Now, we can sing it, but to actually take those steps is much harder. <laughs> and there are words that Jesus says that are not easy to hear and to take. And so the same is true when it comes to our time. The same is true of your gifts. The same is true of the money that you have. There are things that you hold precious. And what God is showing us is that you can't just hold it all in. He's made you and I to give it away. He's made you and I to serve one another. That's why we're encouraging you to take steps to serve. It is also helping unlock your heart. We want you to be part of the sharing place or to be part of a Sunday team because it's how you were made to be. When Jesus stepped in with us, he loved us. He served us as an example. And so when it comes to money, you don't want money to own you because you can become a slave to it. But God wants you to be rich in good works and to love others. And so the question for you today is, how's your heart? Not how much can you give. How's your heart? How's your relationship with God and with money? Do you find yourself anxious? Because I do. <laughs> and I know all these things, and I've been talking about them for years, but I still come back to being anxious myself. And it reminds me that I'm stepping towards my trust in the money, which is not reliable, but God is. How is your heart? Let me end with these scriptures. And we'll close together today. Matthew 6. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not store up riches for yourselves here on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and rob robbers break in and steal. Instead, store up riches for yourselves in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and robbers cannot break in and steal. For your hearts, your heart will always be where your riches are. Second Corinthians, we don't have this for the screen, but I'll read this. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There is a joy in giving to others. There is, a, there is joy in having a plan. There's a joy in attending a fundraiser, an event, and saying Yes. There is an eternal impact when we live our lives this way. There's a joy in serving others. It pulls you out of selfishness. There's a joy in that. What you sow, you will reap. And so it goes on to say here, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Don't do this out of pressure. Do this out of what you've decided to do. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. There's a joy in living this way. It's not always easy, but it leads us to life. 
And then 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. Do you believe that? Like, God wants you to live. God wants you to have a great life. Like, he, like it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. He never promised that. But he loves to love you and to delight in you and for us to enjoy him. So he says, command them to do good, to be rich in abundant wealth. No, he says, command them to be good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. This is what it means to have life, to, to, to enter into who God has made you to be, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. See, we're still learning to share. It goes back to three years old. We're still learning to share. He says, in this way, you will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that's truly life. It's about your heart. So I want to challenge you to think about, make a plan for how you live in your life. And you need to do this every month of your life, to give, to serve, and to love. Take time this afternoon. Everybody, your bosses all took the weekend off. They're not, they're not paying attention. Take time this afternoon to make a plan. On Tuesday, your Instagram feed Emails are going to be pounded with get, like Giving Tuesday stuff. In Hudson County, there's incredible needs. You can give to New City Kids right now. You can go online to PushPay. There's a pull-down menu. There's one for tithes and offerings. You should have a plan for giving to your local church. We cannot exist without the many of you who consistently give. You need to make a plan for giving to your local church. But you can also give to New City Kids. We hope to, we are, we're over halfway there now to give $5,000 to them. We're going to celebrate our total next week. But to serve and to love, have a plan. But I want to challenge you to find ways to love others, to unlock your heart. And when you feel anxious, come back to these principles. Remind yourself so money doesn't have you, but you have money. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, this is not an easy conversation to have, but I pray that we would hear your words to us, not my words, but your words to us, and that we would recognize that we here today, all of us are rich, and what a gift that is from you. And I pray that we would know the joy of loving others, of having a plan, and being able to use this incredible tool for good. May we experience how you've made us to live in this way, with money, with time, with talents. These are all gifts from you. We thank you for your gifts to us. God, I thank you for the many who live this out right now, for the many who serve today, for your provision to rent this space, to purchase kids' curriculum to engage in this city, to pay staff. God, we are blessed by you. Thank you. I pray that you would set our hearts free, not only this season, but year-round. I pray that we will be a church that's generous, 
that can love this city in a unique way. We thank you for that. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.